You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. The Cavs answered the bell in game two. They delivered a knockout blow to the Knicks. Cavs outscored the Knicks 34-17 in the second quarter and cruised to a 107-90 victory in Cleveland. The Cavs turned the tie to the series with suffocating defense that held the Knicks to just 39 points in the first half on 37% shooting. Meanwhile, the Cavs got a breakout game from Darius Garland, who was red hot in the first half. He had 26 points in that first half. He finished the game with 32. Karis LeVert, who also served as the primary defender on Jalen Brunson for much of this game, added 24 points off the bench. Donovan Mitchell only scored 17 points in this game, but ended up with a career-high 17 assists, so he definitely still made his impact felt in this one. For the Knicks, it was a struggle for pretty much everyone offensively. Uh, Jalen Brunson, who had a monster game one, struggled in game two. He shot uh, five for 17 on his 20-point performance. Julius Randle had 22 points on eight for 20 shooting. R.J. Barrett was four for 13. He added four, uh, 14 points in this one. So uh, real, right, at the, right out the gate, Tommy, why were the Cavs so easily able to dominate the Knicks thoroughly in game uh, in game two? Yeah, I think uh, I think if we start in the second quarter, um, you know, two possession, one possession game, two point game, back and forth in the first quarter. Knicks hanging tight, you know, not scoring a bunch, but their defense doing enough to keep them close. Um, nine minutes left in the second quarter. It's still just a two point game, 26-24. Turnover by Isaiah Hartenstein. Cavs come back on the other end of the floor and score. And to me, um, I thought it was emblematic of really what troubled the Knicks. There's been two things, and we talked about going into the series that we've talked about throughout the regular season, kind of the secret sauce for the Knicks offensively um, is taking one of the factors that, that they really lean on is taking care of the basketball um, yeah. third in the league and fewest turnovers per game. Final at those final nine minutes of the second quarter, they turned the ball over nine times led to 19 points for the Cavs. Um, really difficult to, to, to overcome that sloppiness that not taking care of the basketball. Um, again, lead went from two points to 20 um, over that final final nine wow. minute stretch of the second quarter. Um, a total of, of 14 turnovers in the first half. Knicks averaged 13 turnovers per game during the regular season. Other really important factor for the Knicks is to dominate the glass. We saw that in game one, had 51 rebounds to the Cavs, only 38. And game one was a major factor in the Knicks' victory. Last night, Knicks only get 36 boards, um, uh, uh, 38 rebounds, out-rebounded by Cleveland, 43-38. to 38. Um, We'll get into Jalen Brunson. I think he was doing a little bit too much early on, uh, wasn't mm-hmm. passing well enough. Randall didn't have a great game, didn't seem to be in a great headspace. Um, R.J. Barrett continues to struggle. And the Emmanuel quickly things really – disturbing and perturbing and confusing however you want to call it um weird um so all those kind of weigh in but i but you know we we saw a lot of that you know kind of be overcome by a really strong josh hart game and a a great second half uh from brunson in game one um this the final score was a 17 point advantage for cleveland it wasn't that close um nicks really got thoroughly outhandled especially over the final three quarters um and i thought the turnovers and and rebounding um were, were primarily responsible yeah, I mean, those avalanche of turnovers killed him. I mean, Julius Randle had four turnovers in just the second quarter alone. I mean, that is not going to get it done on any level. Um, but it wasn't just him. Jalen Brunson turned the ball over. You mentioned the Hardenstein turnover. Josh Hart turned the ball over. Quentin Grimes turned the ball over. Um, uh, credit to the Cavs. I mean, they said they were going to be more physical. They said they were going to be more yeah. intentional with how they made the Knicks feel them, and they really turned up the heat. And the Knicks just didn't respond. That's the only way to describe it. I thought that 
Cleveland, and that's frustrating because I thought Cleveland started that game still nervous on the offensive end. Yep. Um, the Knicks were playing really solid defense. Cleveland still looked like they were trying to feel their way through that game, especially because of how Donovan Mitchell started that game, which I want to get to very soon, um, not being quite as aggressive. I think Cleveland was trying to feel their way through how they were going to score offensively. Um, and that's why the Knicks got off to like an eight-point lead in that first quarter. So the fact that Cleveland kind of allowed the Knicks to perhaps get themselves into a rhythm in that game, Knicks couldn't take advantage of that in the first quarter. And then once Cleveland kind of saw how close the game was and said, all right, the season is pretty much on the line for the rest of this game. If we don't turn it up now, uh, the season's going to be over. You can't go to New York down 0-2. And they turned up the heat. The Knicks seemed like they were uh, completely befuddled. I don't want to say that they were just saying, okay, we're happy to split. But I just think that they just did not feel the need or just could not match Cleveland's intensity. And um, this is what Cleveland does in terms of what they can do defensively. It, like, they were more physical. I'm not going to act like they weren't. But, again, to me, it's, it's less about their physicality, more about their length, more about their speed and their athleticism. And what I saw in that second quarter was it felt like the Knicks were playing in, you know, quicksand and the, the Cavs were playing on a fast track. Like, they, they're just so quick in their rotations. They were so much better on their double teams and, and their help defense. And they just use their arms. They're waving. They're being intentional. Like, I think it was um Wally who said it during the postgame. Like, when they, they were double teaming uh, certain guys, like, uh, especially IQ came in and turned the ball over immediately. These are not soft double teams. These guys are coming after you, trying to get steals, trying to deflect the ball. So the Cavs deserve a lot of credit. This is not the, the episode to to poo-poo what the Cavs did defensively. They, they are the best defensive team in the NBA, arguably, and they looked like that in that game. What I will say is I thought Jalen Brunson, uh, to me, he gets a lion's share of the blame for this loss, honestly. Like, I thought he set a terrible tone for the Knicks offensively because it almost felt like he was trying to make up for lost time in the first game because he was not looking to pass the ball. He came in looking to shoot, looking to get his shot. And what bothered me about it so much was, you know, okay, one, you're not making shots, so you think okay maybe you gotta quick make a quick adjustment if that's not if your shots aren't going down i know he had a couple guys shots go in and out shots that look like they were gonna go in but the other thing that bothered me was look at how donovan mitchell started that game mitchell at 38 mitchell saw that he could get his against the knicks but his teammates looked shook in game one his teammates did not play with confidence his teammates did not provide any assistance for him in game one so he came into game two saying i have to get these other guys some confidence get these other guys some shots and again, it started off not well. Like they didn't play well the first first ten minutes, first you know eight minutes of that first quarter. But at the end of the day, him getting those guys shots and getting those guys rhythm, getting those guys confidence, eventually carried itself into the second quarter when Garland goes for fifteen and a quarter. Like Brunson, seeing what he saw from IQ and RJ and Quentin Grimes, he needed to get those other guys involved. He needed to play more full general start that game. And look, if you go down, then you say, okay, I got to go out there and get my offense, but. I didn't like how he started that game saying, I got to get mine first, and then I'll get these other guys involved. Those other guys are struggling with their confidence. So um, I, I thought Jalen Brunson set a really poor tone for the Knicks in this loss. And not to say that it's all on him, but I think that that was a, a big part of why the Knicks offense struggled. It, it cannot disagree with you there. Um, uh, if we give Brunson credit when the team plays well, we got to knock right. him when the team plays poorly. And he played yeah. poorly. Um, actually looked up the numbers. This was the first time in his career. He's played 374 games 
regular season and postseason. This is the first time in his career he's attempted more than 15 shots and made fewer, uh, five or fewer field goals. So that gives you an idea wow. of how he was just out of sorts and, and clearly wasn't productive, wasn't efficient, and it was it was not a net positive for the Knicks that night. Um, in defense of Brunson, I'll say this. The reason the Knicks won game one was because Brunson put the game on his shoulders, put yeah. the team on his back in the second no half. Question. Limited to nine minutes in the first half, came out in the second half. The difference was the Cavs put Jetty Osmond on him and basically, you know, said, God bless, good luck, and, and hopefully we somehow survive, <laughs> right. um, which was a big mistake. They made an adjustment, and Brunson didn't adjust to the adjustment. Um, I, I thought you made a great point on on how the, on how the Knicks – uh, on how the Cavs rather doubled Brunson. Um, you know, the parlance of the, the NBA defensive teams is sometimes you'll show on a screen a big show and then scramble back and find, you know, yeah. protect. The, no, they, the, the Cavs blitzed double teams. They they blitzed high pick and rolls. Um, nearly almost as soon as he crossed that court, they'd have a guy run at him. And, the, and, and Brunson, the, the Knicks in particular, and Brunson specifically did a very poor job of finding either uh, Mitchell Robinson at the nail or, yep. or, or skipping the ball across the court when those doubles came. Perfect evidence, Quinn Grimes had two field goal attempts in this game. Um, we've talked about how inefficient the Knicks offense can be when they're, when there's not balance offensively. Um, and Brunson, to, to your point, uh, in support of your point, um, didn't do a good enough job getting these guys looks. Um, I understand what his thinking was. Um, you know, if they're going to run single, you know, a, a poor defender at me, um, you know, he made his first shot and got a, a core with yeah. two fouls down, you know, in the first three minutes, it looked like Knicks were up eight points. Um, but again, you know, he's got to adjust when he sees the Cleveland shift, their game plan. Um, you know, he's got to be more of a distributor uh, and playmaker than scorer. Um, so, so hopefully he'll adjust to that as well. So, you know, we'll see, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it, it goes, how, uh, assuming, uh, and again, he's known, he's a very high basketball IQ. Um, I expect him to make the correct decisions again, but there were, there were times when Mitchell Robinson caught the ball top of the key and Knicks had it four and three and they didn't, and whenever the skip right. pass was made or the correct play was made, the Knicks decisions weren't sharp. They weren't moving the ball, um, too much ISO, too much dribbling. And you get 90 points, the second fewest points the Knicks have scored this entire season. And how many times were they also uh, just not in sync? Like, you know, they're trying to make that second pass and, you know, they're throwing the ball in the third row or they're throwing yeah. the ball to the referee. Yeah. Like, it, it seemed like guys weren't where the passers thought they would be. I mean, Josh Hart took a ball to the dome at one point yep. on, one pass, on a second pass on one of either those double teams. I mean, it, it, the Knicks were not prepared for what the Cavs are going to do. And that is, it is what it is. I mean, it's game two. You won game one, so I don't want to just go ballistic. But the fact that they didn't really even anticipate that adjustment is a little annoying and a little frustrating in that in that standpoint. So they're going to have to get it right. I mean, this was a game that was, like I said, not competitive for a lot of this. At How, how much concern do you have going into a game three because of this loss? I, I don't want to, you know, emphasize so much on this look because the Knicks did get what they needed which was a split but you go down 29 points do you take a, a, a large bit of concern from this result or do you say hey the Cavs need to get that game we're we'll be fine going back to the garden for game three yeah I'll say this if you would have asked Nick fans Saturday morning for game one do you settle for Wednesday morning being 1-1, headed back to the Garden, five-game series, Knicks having home court advantage, most fans would settle, you know, would would, would take that. 
Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, it, it, look back six months, you know, going into the season. I told <laughs> yeah. you Phoenix would be a five seed and, and have a 1-1 game, you know, heading back to the Garden. Um, you know, you, you obviously take that as well. Expectations are low. That being said, um, you don't like to give away a game. Um, but, you know, we got to give credit where credit is due. Cavs outplayed them. They outtoughed them. They talked for two days about we're going to land the first punch. We're going to be more physical. Basically, the coaches, the players, everyone called it a gut check game. Um, and the Cavs played like the more desperate team. And far and more often than not, when two teams are relatively even, as these two teams are, the more desperate team is going to have an advantage. Um, and the Cavs played like a team that's the best defensive team in the NBA, which they were yeah. for the, the prior six months. First in the NBA in, in points per game allowed. First in the NBA in points per 100 possessions allowed. Um, you know, we talked about the fact that they had held teams under 100 points 24 times during the regular season, more than any other team in the NBA. Um, they were 23 and one in those games. Um, so, you know, you factor all that in. I'm, you know, at the end of the series, um, you know, it's not who scores the most points, it's who wins the most games. So whether you win by one or you win by yeah. 29, um, a win is a win is a win. A loss is a loss is a loss. Uh, now you just got to adjust. Now you got to, you know, make the, the, the counter adjustments uh, for, for what the Cavs did. Um, I think more concerning than um, the, 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 the game, losing that game in particular, is fearing that the Cavs may have stumbled upon something that may benefit them going forward. Isaac Okoro plays three minutes. Uh, again, the Knicks are daring him to shoot, funneling the ball to him. Um, he's not giving yep. the Cavs anything on either end of the ball. They bring in Karis LeVert and, and Jetty Osmond, but it was Karis LeVert um, who, who really uh, scored 24 points. Was You know, coming in, uh, one of the things we talked about was the Knicks' X factor is R.J. Barrett. He's been bad. The, yep. Whereas the, the, the Cavs' X factor is, in, in many respects, um, might be Karis LeVert. was bad, terrible in, in game one, one of seven comes back in game two and really gives them uh, the punch. We'll talk about Garland, um, but, I, but I thought his play um, really helped set the tone and establish and keep the Knicks at, at arm's length. Um, I assume we'll see very limited minutes from, from Ocaro, um, and, and then it becomes fascinating. Do the Cavs stick with essentially a seven-man rotation? And that you know right. that includes Danny Green playing 20 minutes, who I didn't right. – he hit some shots, but I you know can he guard guys off the dribble? Um, I think the Knicks can take advantage of him um and if that core four plays 40 minutes a night they have three days off now so that that definitely benefits them but if they play friday night at 8 30 and then sunday at one um do they get worn down there those are those are things that that will have to factor but as i said the the adjustment going forward is how do the knicks counteract um one the aggressive double teams on brunson and two on the other end of the floor how do they do a better job guarding uh lavert if i'm tibbs um, I don't want Brunson to have to have to deal with Levert. Um, you know, I'm yeah. going to stick him on the other. You know, uh, if it's Jetty Osmond in the corner, he was two of seven, I believe. Um, but yeah, I don't want uh, that to put that responsibility on Brunson. Yeah, Levert was fantastic. Uh, I thought his defense. He was picking up full court on both yeah. Quickly and Brunson. I thought he was phenomenal defensively. Um, something that I don't. I, I mean, I learned he's a much better defender than even I realized. Uh, uh, that's something he's done for them this season. He really wasn't a factor defensively in game one. They didn't try him on Brunson in game one, which yeah. now after seeing his success was a little surprising. But he was – and maybe part of that was because he was so bad offensively they couldn't put him out there. But he was fantastic on defense. I thought that, that kind of set the tone, I thought, for the entire Cavs defense. He came in the game and he's picking up full court and he's uh, using his length to bother these smaller guards. And I thought that that was a, a huge difference. And then offensively he gets it going. The Knicks can't have that. Like I said, to me this is a two-man team really in terms of – 
offensive creation with Garland, who was red hot, who Nick's going to have to find a way to slow down. And Mitchell, if they get a third guy in there and Levert, that's where major problems come. So big game, big game from Levert. They can't afford to have more of those if the Knicks want to win this series. And on Garland, I mean, the Knicks have been using essentially R.J. Barrett as the primary defender on him, trying to hide Brunson. I tweeted it yesterday. I think I think Deuce McBride's got to play in this series. I think living with that many minutes with Barrett chasing around a guard as dynamic as Garland is not not you know I don't think you're gonna get the best from Marjorie Barrett this whole series if that's how this is gonna work. Um I think Barrett's working hard. I think he's trying. I think he did a good job in game one. But I just think this is a upper echelon point guard who is a deadly shooter. And if he sees one or two go down, then it's look out below. And this is a guy who had a 50 point game this year. I think they can't live with that solely being the answer that we can put, just put Audrey on him and, and that'd be the case. Now I know that expands the rotation to 10. We saw Deuce come in for a little brief stint. I think Tim's going to have to get maybe three or four minutes in each half of Deuce McBride chasing those guys around just to keep some of these guys legs fresh because Garland is a dangerous score. And I think that at the end of the day, like I said, this is a two-man team. So you, you can't have both of these guys having big games. You can't have Mitchell getting 13 assists and then Garland also getting, you know, 32 or 26 and a half. Like, you got you to gotta take away something. Listen, uh, R.J. Barrett is 6 of 25 from the field through two games. Um, you know, he's played seven games in his playoff career now, shooting 35% from the floor, 25% from behind the arc in those seven postseason contests. The reason, the, the rationale behind playing R.J. Barrett extended minutes is, yeah, he's not a great defender, but he's effort, he has length, he can, you know, hopefully disrupt the uh, Cavs' offensive flow. But he, at least you yeah. get the offensive, you know, a guy that averages 19 points a game. Not always efficient, but you can get downhill, draw some fouls. He's not yeah. doing it. Um, so if you're not, if you're playing a guy for his offensive contributions, and he's not only not contributing offensively, he's been a detriment. I just no touch around the basket, no confidence yeah. in his outside stroke, not drawing fouls, not getting to the line enough. Um, I don't see how you can justify playing him 33, 34, 30 minutes a night. Um, I wrote the same thing this morning. I think they got to redistribute those minutes, um, whether it's more minutes, uh, you know, give IQ extended minutes, and he's been bad. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, give Grimes more playing time, kind of reallocate those minutes, um, uh, you know, early on and, and have bring Hart in alongside. So you have Hart to guard one guy, either Brunson or, or, you know, have, um, sorry, have Hart guard Mitchell and then have Grimes guard Garland, um, you know, experiment with that. And also bring in McBride, play him for four or five minute stretches. Um, again, if he doesn't knock down threes, uh, you just have RJ Barrett with less volume, less. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, what there's not a lot to lose there, you know. So yeah. that's that's kind of my thinking. Um, RJ Barrett hasn't earned those minutes. Um, I, you know, you come into the series hoping that he can kind of be that X factor, that he can kind of reestablish his stroke, that he'll see a couple shots go down, and you know, maybe he'll knock down some threes and get to the bucket. Um, but it just it, it hasn't manifested itself. And uh, you know, you mentioned game one again, he's he's putting forth effort, but um, Garland was seven of 13, he just didn't take a lot of shots, right? Um, he wasn't aggressive, yeah, he wasn't aggressive, and everybody. Everybody, uh, you know, everybody on the street, he saw it. He said, screamed at him, his teammates, his coaching staff, his, his girlfriend, shoot the, 
shoot the ball, bro. You yeah. know, and, and that's kind of what he did. Um, so, and as you mentioned, saw a couple go down. Um, you know, Barrett's just not a good enough defensive player. Can he develop? He's only 20. You know, we, we, we talk about this on and on, you know, but at this stage of the game, uh, in the biggest game of, of the next, you know, season uh, in, in 48 hours from now, um, you know, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable trusting him to slow down uh, a player that that obviously has the ability to take over a game. Um, so for the Knicks to lose a game where where Mitchell scores less than 20 points, um, you know, granted 13 assists, he was awesome. He did just what they needed to do. Um, but but going forward, you know, Garland has shown um, that you can slow down Mitchell and he can still have a big night. So um, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I think we're on the same page that um, that Tibbs has to re- reassess things here. Um, and, and and Barrett's probably not the answer. Yeah, I mean, Barrett, he got, he had seven free throws. I thought in the second half, I know the game was out of reach, but I right. thought in the second half he started to get some some fouls, started to get to the basket a little bit better, not finishing, but at least getting fouls. So there was that. So maybe he takes that to New York, but the leash has got to be shorter on him. That, yes. that, that's to me the way it is. If he's not giving you anything the first half, then you got to try out the guys. Um, this is, uh, you know, do or die at this point. This is playoff. So um, it is what it is. So Knicks yeah, you lose. You can't worry about feelings and emotions. No, no, no. Yeah. This is listen. If a guy's not getting it done, you got small tweet talk and say, "Hey, still my buddy, um, you gotta win." Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Knicks lose. They get back to New York. Games three is on Friday. So, 